Welcome, everyone. So good to see all of you at all of our churches today. Hey, today, before we uh, jump into part eight of our sermon series entitled NAFLAN, a couple of things I want to say to you. First of all, um, my wife and I, we were at a senior pastor a marriage retreat this past week, Monday through Friday, and had a lot of interaction with some other senior pastors there, about 30 couples there. And um, I just want to say, I talked to more senior pastors this past week who've been beat up by their church than you can imagine. And I just want you to know, as I, as I drove away Friday afternoon from that retreat, the thing that I was most grateful for was not just the week that we spent together as a couple, but the fact that I get to come home to a church family that we just love in a good way, like, I'm not getting beat up by the church. And I just wanna thank you for being that, while we don't all agree all the time on different things, it's like, wow. I mean, even like I know other pastors, Dustin and Philip and Brian, you know, they feel the same way I do, that man, it's just a great to be part of a church that is working toward the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And man, love covers a multitude of sins, right? And um, and I, I just want you to know how much I love and appreciate you as a church because um, next month I, I, I start my 30th year um, pastoring this church. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I've got as much energy and as much passion and vision for the next season um, as I did when I started. And it's because you're such a wonderful church family. So can you guys just celebrate yourselves at all of our campuses for being such an amazing... Yeah, it really... Really cool. So I love you. Love you as a church. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, before we jump into our, conver our, our conversation, one other thing I want to share with you, because what Sunday is this? This is our what? Fourth Sunday, right? Uh, and so every fourth Sunday of the month, uh, we go above and beyond our normal um, generosity to show our communities that we are for them. And as you know, by now, we are calling this our $4 for other Sunday. Now, remember October is when we do the big generosity push uh, for all of the nonprofits that we partner with in our community. So next month, it's not going to be $4 for others. It's going to be what? Yeah, some of you said it, $40 for others. That's our goal. You know, if you can't give that, that's great. It's not, because remember, it's not about the amount that you give each month. It is about that we as a church, 100% of us are coming together and we are blessing our communities. So this month, we're going to bless, and it's a ministry that many of you maybe at our campuses don't know, even in our Mariana campus don't know really about, but we're gonna bless Chrome Ministries and Missions here in Mariana. Now, you go, why a ministry in Mariana? because they minister to all people in all of our communities. In fact, they opened up in January this year. They're renovating the old Mariana Middle School. They already have 75 men in their program, and when they're their full capacity, they're gonna serve over 200 men. They also have a plan for a recovery center for women as well. So basically what Chrome Ministries is, is they're a 12-month uh, faith-based residency program that serves all of our communities. I said there's men from all of our communities in, in their ministry right now. They focus on rescue, recovery, and also re-engagement back into life. So what they do is they create an opportunity for men to connect with God, transition their lives and grow spiritually, and then go back and reunite with their family and their children and become the men that God created them to be. And they'll do the same thing for women as well. 
So here's how you can get to this. When you came in today, there was an envelope that was on the chair when you entered the auditorium. You can put the money in that envelope and you can drop it in the giving boxes on your way out today, or you can scan the QR code that is on this envelope, or you can go to our app and you can give to the four fund digitally. So feel free to go ahead and do that right now. And again, I just want to say thank you so much for being a church that just continues to help us show the love of Jesus through all the different expressions and the different ministries and organizations that we support throughout the year by being for them. Because as we show them that we're for them, it's another way that we can show them that God is for them. Now, as I said today, we are wrapping up our sermon series entitled Nav Plan, and we've been focusing on this question, what would it look like to have an adult starting point of faith? Like if you could forget everything you've been told about faith and start over with like a clean slate, like what would you learn? What would you read? Who would you listen to? And and the reason this is such an important question is because as I've said throughout this series, most of us have a childhood version of faith. Like we were told by our parents, a priest or a pastor, hey, you need to believe this or you need to believe that. And it worked fine until we became an adult. And then once we got older, we realized that there were some gaps between what we had been told that was the foundation for our childhood faith and what we were experiencing as adults. And some of you, what happened is you you lived in this frustration, you lived in this tension, and you decided to hold on to your childhood faith anyway, and it's not really that personal to you, and it's definitely not powerful to you, but you go through all the motions, and you show up at church, but you're kind of just miserable. And then others of you, you like, you were too intellectually honest to just hang on to something that wasn't working. And, and for some of you, it's why some of you walked away from the church. Maybe you abandoned the idea of faith. And, and maybe that's why you're now coming back and saying, okay, there's got to be something to, more to this. Because there is something more than a childhood version of faith. So in week one, we said, and last week we remind you this, that the starting point for faith is answering this question, and I'm gonna show you why this question is so important today. And the question was, you gotta answer the question, who is Jesus? This always has been, and it always will be, the starting point for faith. The starting point for faith isn't figuring out whether Adam and Eve really existed, or were they really naked in the garden, or was that just to make the story kind of interesting, you know, or did Noah really get all those animals on the ark? Those are important things to consider at some point in your faith journey. But the starting point for faith is answering the question, who is Jesus? Like, is he who he claimed to be? In fact, this question, who is Jesus, it mattered to Jesus. So much so that one day, Jesus is walking with his disciples into the town of Caesarea Philippi, and he looks at them, and he says to them, hey guys, who do you think I am? Literally, who is Jesus to you? Like, you've been following me around for a couple years. We spent a lot of time together. What have you decided about me? See, even Jesus believed like this was the central question for adults as a starting point for faith. In fact, Matthew, who was there, he recorded the conversation for us. And here's what Matthew said happened. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, go with us to Matthew chapter 16. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, 
who do people say the son of man is? Literally, who is Jesus? And like, what's the word on the street? Like, what do people think or who do people think that I am? Like, when they're asked, who is Jesus? What do people say? Well, notice the disciples. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Like, Jesus, people aren't really sure who you are. They definitely think you're somebody important like John the Baptist or Elijah, but nobody is really sure what to make of you. But then Jesus takes this who is Jesus question to a very personal level with the disciples. And at some point in every one of your faith journey, Jesus is gonna bring you to this point as well. Notice what his question is. But what about you? And I'd like for you to put your name in that blank. But what about you? What about you? Who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus? Now, the reason that question matters so much to Jesus is that he knew that he was launching a movement called the church. A movement that is going to be built on the belief that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And what Jesus knew in that moment was what he was going to call and invite all of us to. That the only way that movement, the church, was going to keep moving forward was if those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus were convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus was who he said he really is. And here's the thing. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, that's the movement that you've been invited to be a part of. You're invited to be part of a movement that's been participating in what God is doing in this world for over 2,000 years. You're invited to be part of a movement that is gonna give your life meaning and purpose and fulfillment. You're invited to be a part of a movement that is absolutely great. Like you're invited to be part of something that is much bigger than yourself, but to be part of this movement, you have to be fully convinced that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. You have to be fully convinced. If you're ever gonna fully engage in the church, the body of Christ, that Jesus is who he says he is, and he will do what he says. He will do. So today what we're gonna do is we're gonna explore what it means to be part of this movement called the church. And here's why we're gonna do that. Because it is so key to having a mature adult faith. Like if you have a misunderstanding of what it means to be part of the church, you, you always struggle with having a growing faith. Like if you're a, a follower of Jesus or if you're considering becoming a follower of Jesus, I'm telling you, this is so important to understand because here's the thing. If you don't understand this, you're gonna sit outside of the church and you're gonna be a critic of the church instead of being part of the body and doing your part. So it would not be fair to have a conversation on faith and not talk about what the impact is on our faith whenever we choose to accept or reject this invitation to be part of what God is up to in this world, to be fully engaged and be part of the body of Christ. So let me give you a little bit of background to set up this conversation today. 
Now, you may or you may not know this, but Jesus had a cousin by the name of John. And John, does anybody know his nickname? His nickname was John the Baptist, right? He got that nickname because he baptized people, right? So they really called him John the Baptizer, right? So John the Baptist got himself on the wrong side of King Herod Antipas. And as a result, Herod has his soldiers go get John. He had him thrown in prison, and he has his soldiers go get him out of this prison cell. He cuts John's head off, puts it on a platter, a silver platter, it's a very bizarre, bizarre and very sad story. In fact, you can read it at the beginning of Matthew chapter 14. And he brings his head in in this banquet and displays it to everyone. And as you can imagine, the word gets back to Jesus that his cousin has been killed in this ridiculous way, in this bizarre kind of way. I mean, imagine what you would feel. So Matthew records for us what Jesus does. Notice this in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, that his cousin had been killed in such a hideous, bizarre kind of way, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, I just want you to think about this. I mean, Jesus has just found out that a cousin who was dear and near to him has been killed. So he goes to get away. What does he end up doing? He has compassion on the people and he starts healing their sick. Now, I'll be honest. I, I don't know if I'd have been able to do that. I most likely would have been so upset and just so enraged going, oh, I got to have my time alone. But Jesus didn't respond to his pain and his sorrow that way. Notice his response out of his pain and his sorrow. He had compassion and he served the people all day long. And I want you to notice what happens next. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. Now, this crowd, you have to understand, it was over 5,000 people. In that culture, they only counted the men. So that's how many men there were. So there are women and there are children. There's a lot of people there. And the disciples are thinking, hey, we need some rest. Jesus needs some rest. These people need some food. So let's just send them home before we have a really big problem on our hands. But that's not how Jesus sees it. He's about to use this moment. Don't miss what I'm going to say here. He's about to use this moment to expand his disciples' view of understanding who he is. To help them answer that question, who is Jesus? Notice verse 16. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You, referring to the disciples, give them something to eat. Now, once again, this word you, I, I want you to kind of put your name in this. Let's, let's enter into this story at this point. Jesus is looking at you and saying, hey, you, you, you feed this crowd of seven, 8,000, maybe 10,000 people. 
I mean, some of you, you freak out trying to feed some other family that's coming over to visit. But now he's looking at 12 disciples. You put your name and your feelings, your emotions in this moment. Go into this story with us. And he says, no, you feed them. And I'm sure they're thinking probably what you and I would think. Like, really? Like, I'm doing good to feed 20 people. You, you want us to feed Five or 10,000 people, you really want us to feed them? And Jesus is like, yes, there's a need here, and I don't want you to leave it for someone else to meet. I want you to do something about the problem you see, which they say and respond in verse 17. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Just picture yourself saying that to God. Hey, we, that's all we got, Jesus. Uh, you, you can't ex expect us to do that. We don't have what it takes. We don't have the food. We don't have the resources. We don't have the time. We don't have the energy. Like Jesus, this is kind of crazy. So Jesus says, bring them here to me, referring to the loaves and the fish. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, he broke the loaves, then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples, what do the disciples do? Think about this. Before, some, some of you have been in church so long, you know this story, but you've never put yourself in the story. So, so before we move forward this story, this is why answering the question, who, in, who is Jesus, matters so much. Put, put yourself in the place of the disciples. Imagine your disciples standing in front of Jesus, and there's eight to 10,000 people potentially there. I mean, you got thousands of people sitting down behind you right now, and they think they're about to get dinner. And you have brought Jesus a little bit of nothing, probably not enough to feed your family. Like, what are you going to do? Do you have the confidence that God is who he says he is? And I'm telling you, this is a pivotal moment in their relationship with Jesus. This is when who they think Jesus is really matters. And as I said before, every one of you, if you choose to follow Jesus, you're going to experience these moments with Jesus. What are you going to do when you're standing there with 8,000 people behind you and all you have is five loaves and two fishes and Jesus is telling you to feed the people with them? What are you gonna do? And to their credit, they turn around and notice what the next five words of the verse 19 say. It says, and the disciples gave them to the people. You got to imagine this again. Like, they had no clue what was going to happen. Most likely, they're going to have a lot of upset people in their minds because there's not enough food. I mean, I'm sure in their minds, there's no way logically this could ever work out. Because after all, <laughs> there's five loaves that are broke up into probably 12 pieces, and there's two fish that are broken up into 12 pieces. Like, really? So now the proportion, or the portions have just even got smaller. But here's the thing. 
They trusted Jesus enough to do what he asked them to do, even though it seemed impossible and even though it defied logic. And Jesus, if you're going to follow him, he's inviting you into a, a movement called the church that is so imperfect that we don't get it right because we're imperfect people. And he's going to ask us to do things that seem impossible and to defy logic. What are you going to do? Well, Matthew, who was one of the disciples who was there handing out the food, I want you to notice what he wrote about the crowd in verse 20. They all ate and were, everybody say this word with me, this last word. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and then I'm going to ask a question. The statement is this. If you choose to follow Jesus, you need to understand that he's inviting you to step into the impossible and the illogical. It's why you need to understand who is Jesus. Because if you step into this movement called the church, the body of Christ, and follow Jesus as part of the body of Christ, none of it is going to make sense at times. How is God going to use imperfect people who don't get it right to reach this world? To satisfy, to help satisfy the souls of humanity. But Jesus is inviting every one of you to be part of a movement that requires full trust and 100% belief that Jesus is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. Otherwise, you will become a critic of the church. Now, here's the question I want you to think about. Whose faith in Jesus was most impacted in this moment by this meal? Whose faith in Jesus was most impacted in this moment by this meal? It wasn't the crowd. I mean, the crowd, they got to see the miracle and they benefited from the miracle, right? They were satisfied. But the crowd, they were spectators to the miracle. They were observers. They, they were in the stands watching all this happen. Do, do you know who was the most impacted that day? The disciples. I mean, they were the ones who not only got to see the miracle, but got to be part of the miracle. They're the ones whose understanding of God, it broadened and their faith and their trust and their G in Jesus, it deepened at a level that they never expected. I mean, they're the ones whose faith was taken to a new level. Like they did what they could do. They took those little pieces of bread and fish and they turned around not knowing what was going to happen and they handed out the food and because they did what they could do, they got to see Jesus do what only he could do. From 12 small pieces of fish and bread to 12 basketfuls left over. Listen, this is how God always works. This is the movement that God has invited you to. Whenever you do what you can do, Jesus will do what only he can do. Jesus is in the miracle multiplication movement. 
Like you do what you can do. You give a little bit of your time when you don't feel like it. You give a little bit of your time when you got plenty of other things to do. You give some of your time when you're going through hard times, when you're dealing with your own struggles. You do what you can do. And every time, Jesus will step in and do what only he can do. This is how you start, restart, or reignite a growing faith in your life. Now, now before you push back on this idea, I don't know if I can explain this as well as it deserves to be explained. But what Jesus just offered his disciples in this moment when it came to feeding this crowd of 5,000 plus people and what he offers you and me when he offers us the invitation to be part of his church, his body in this world is a front row invitation to being part of what he's up to in this world. This is Jesus saying, If you will trade making your life about what is comfortable and what matters to you for making your life about what matters to God, then you're going to find what life is really all about. You're going to experience life at a level you never imagined experiencing life. Like you'll find a life that you were created to live, but it's nothing that you could ever imagine. You'll find a purpose that blows away what more pleasure, what more getaways, what greater power or another possession will ever give you. Let me say it this way. You're invited into a relationship with God. Don't miss that. And you are invited to participate in the activity of God in this world. And he has a plan, and he has a purpose for your life, and it's not the plan or the purpose that your mama or your daddy or anybody else in the church might have told you what that purpose is. No, 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 no. God has a plan and a purpose, because here's the thing. Every one of us, and we all have been to do, we all get to the point in life where we go looking for purpose. But most of the time, We look for that purpose outside the activity of God. What's going to make me great? What's going to make me successful? What's going to make me feel loved? What's going to make me feel wanted? What's going to make me feel secure? What's going to make me feel safe? What's going to make me feel comfortable? What's going to make me excited about life? And I'm just going to tell you, as long as that's what you're looking for, you'll never find your purpose. But you find your purpose when you participate in the activity of God in this world. When you join the movement that Jesus predicted was going to be the game changer, the church. Because you know what God is up to in this world? What God is up to in this world is he's up to showing his love to people through his church. He's up to, through this movement called his church, he's up to showing compassion to the people through his church. And sometimes we go, how does he plan on doing that? We're so imperfect at that. No, if he can take five loaves and two fish and feed a multitude and have 12 baskets left over, man, he can do things beyond anything we ever could imagine. He's up to offering forgiveness to people through his church. He's up to bringing people into his family through his church. He's up to meeting needs and answering prayers of people through his church. He's up to influencing the world for good through his church. He's up to ending injustice and suffering in the world through his church. We are his hands and we are his feet. And yes, the tasks that we are called to, it seems impossible And no, the church has not gotten it right. And by the way, if you're one of these people who go around going, oh, the church just doesn't get it right. Oh, this person doesn't get it right. That person, like that doesn't take, you don't have to be, you're not a genius. That's not a sign of spiritual maturity to say the church doesn't get it right. That's the whole point. We don't get it right. 
But Jesus is in the miracle multiplication process of using what is inadequate to do something miraculous. See, we don't get it right when we don't trust Jesus enough to step up, take the tiny fragments, and then start handing out the food. So here's my question to you this morning. I want you to ask yourself this question. What next step of following Jesus is it time for you to take? Think about that. What next step of following Jesus is it time for you to take? Like, what is Jesus asking you to do? And you're just not willing to follow. And I'm just telling you, this question here is so important because you can't experience the promise of what could be with Jesus without leaving the comfort of what is. Now, now here's why. You can't experience a growing faith when you are comfortable. And if there's anything that we want to do in our culture is we want to make life comfortable. We change jobs because we're not comfortable. We change marriages because we're not comfortable. We, we abandon our families because we're not comfortable. We, we move out of neighborhoods because we're not comfortable. Listen, you can't be comfortable all the time and fully follow Jesus. You can't have a mature adult faith without some level of discomfort or pain. Jesus said, you were called to suffer. We learn obedience through suffering, he said. See, this is what prevents so many of us from experiencing the promise of what could be in the kingdom of God, of experiencing the miracle of multiplication that God wants to do in and through our lives. This is why so many people don't have a mature adult faith, because God has stepped into your life and he's inviting you to take the next step out of your comfort zone. And you've decided, I don't want to give up my comfort and move into discomfort. It's just the discomfort of growth is just not worth it. Now, now the reason that you gave yourself for not fully following Jesus, fully engaging in the body of Christ, I mean, you made up something that sounds something kind of like spiritual, like, well, the church just never gets it right. It's just filled with imperfect people. Yeah, it is. You're one of them. <laughs> or or your, your thing is like, we're, we're so busy, or, or, you know, it's so hard to find a night or to get childcare, or, or we're, we're so busy at work during this time, or, or like, we just have so much going on during this season, or, or like, Sundays are the only time we have together as a family. I mean, think about all the excuses that we use. But if you were honest with yourself, you would simply have to admit you don't want to leave the comfort of what is to die to yourself to take up your cross and follow Jesus by engaging in his work in this world. Listen, you can't experience the promise of what could be without leaving the comfort of what is. And what Jesus is going to ask you to do, if you're going to follow him and be part of his body, it's always going to feel illogical and impossible. But you are called to do what you can do, and then he'll do what only he can do. And once you have wrestled with this question, what next step of following Jesus is it time for you to take? Here's the question. I want you to wrestle with and talk about with your small group or friends over lunch sometime this week. 
I want you just to say, okay, so what's my next step? And I can promise you, it's not for you to abandon your job so you can find a grander purpose. It's not for you to abandon your marriage so you can find meaning and purpose in life. It's not for you to abandon your family, your neighborhood. It's not, no, 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 no. Well, what's your next spiritual step that God is asking you to take? We all have one. We all have a next step. Because I don't care how long you've been a Christ follower or how little you know about Jesus. We all have a next step. That is the process of following Jesus. Like when you follow Jesus, Jesus takes a step. And then guess what we do? We come behind him and take a step. So as we're following Jesus, we're always taking a step. That's why we always talk about next steps around here. And that's next next step. I mean, it's going to be different for all of our lives, but our lives are going to be better forever because of that step. So when you came in today, there, there was a card that looked something like this. Now, here's what we want you to do. We want you to identify your next step. So what we've done is we've listed out some possible next steps on this card to help you kind of think about this. And I want to challenge you to not leave the building you're in today without marking something. This card is not for us. This card is a personal reminder for you to take with you that you have made a commitment to step in to the impossible and the illogical that you are gonna say, I believe Jesus is who he says he is and will do what he says he do, and I'm gonna follow him. Like, like some of you, you need to put, take the next step of trusting Jesus as your forgiver. You, you need to trust him to make things right between you and God. I mean, like you've kind of believed in Jesus for a while, but you never had that moment in your life where you said, okay, I believe you, Jesus. I'm gonna follow you. I believe you are who you say you are, that you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You're the savior of the world. You're the king of the kings and Lord of lords, and I am going to follow you. And in just a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to tell him that you're taking that step. Some of you, you need to take the step to be baptized. You've never gone public with your faith. Maybe you thought it wasn't a big deal. Maybe you never knew you should. Maybe you felt like it was just a religious hoop that you needed to jump through. No, Jesus said, no, when you choose to follow me, he says, I, I, you should be baptized because it's how you publicly identify with me and you share your story with others. Now, some of you, you just need to keep exploring who Jesus is. You haven't fully answered this question, who is Jesus? You just need to keep coming. You need to keep listening. You need to keep discussing. Like another great option would be to um, attend Explore in November, the next time that you hear that we offer it, uh, you just need to start just leaning in more and being more serious about this question, who is Jesus? Because I'm telling you, you can't experience the miracles of multiplication until you're all in. Now, some of you, you, you need to go to engage. You, you need to step into engage because in engage, in steps one, two, and three, we talk about what the mission of the church, we give you a better understanding of what God has called us as a church to do. In step two, we talk about maturity, how you continue to grow in your faith journey. And in step three, we talk about how you can maximize your ministry by helping you understand how God has shaped you and developed you to serve other people. So some of you, that's your next step, to start serving or keep serving. You need to get involved and we'll do whatever it takes to help you do that. For some of you, you think serving is just all right. It's just about... Uh, helping the church out or helping somebody else out. But serving, don't, don't miss this. Serving is how you really grow in your faith. Because if you take a step and get involved, if you'll give a little bit of your time and do what you can do, then God will show up and do what only he can do 
I'm, I'm just telling you, serving is one of the keys to having a mature adult faith because that is one of the places that you experience the miracle of multiplication. Now, some of you, you need to take a step to become generous. In fact, you know why I love giving to our church? Because we get to be part of what God is up to in the world. And, and I know that what I give, the investment, is helping people become part of his family and find that incredible life that is beyond anything that humans can even think about and discover. Like they get to experience these miracles of multiplication. So if you'll take the next step to become generous, uh, you'll get to be part of the miracle of people connecting to Jesus. And I can promise you, people who give and serve are the ones whose faith grows the most because they get to have the front row seat to be part of the miracle of multiplication. So God is asking every one of us to do something. But here's my thing. Some of you are gonna to continue to resist this. You need to wrestle with this and then do whatever God is calling you to do because what he's calling you to do and your next step is just like for the disciples, it's stepping up with five loaves and two fishes and saying, I don't know how it's gonna work, but I'm gonna do what you asked me to do and I'm gonna trust you to do what only you can do. Listen, following Jesus is gonna cost you something but not following Jesus will cost you even more. Listen, it's gonna cost you the opportunity, don't miss this, the more it's gonna cost you is the opportunity to experience the miracle of Jesus that grows your faith, to experience the miracles of Jesus. So take your next step, partner with God and what he's doing through the local church, because I'm telling you, taking that next step, and you'll be taking them for the rest of your life, it's what makes your life better forever. It's not all these other things that the devil and the world try to throw at us. Oh, you need to do this, you know, more getaway, more fun, more pleasure, more this, make it more about you. No, 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 no. Because you are too small a purpose to live for, but God is not. So what I want you to do is to mark your next step on the card as a personal commitment and then get started on that step. Go to the app or stop by the gallery on your campus. Have a conversation with our team because I'm telling you, if you want to experience a mature adult faith, you have to step out and step into what God is doing in this world through the church. And say, God, I don't know how, but you're gonna take all of our imperfection, you're gonna take all our times we don't get it right, you're gonna multiply, and you're gonna do what only you can do. And I wanna be part of that. Let me pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity to be invited not only into a relationship with you, a relationship that is given to us because of your great love and your amazing mercy. But I thank you for the opportunity to participate in your activity in this world. And God, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit will just confirm to each one of us, what our next step is. And then God, help us to step up, understanding we're not even gonna get the full five loaves and the two fishes. We're just gonna get some pieces of that. But when we turn around and engage in serving your body, in serving this world out of your love, we get to experience miracles of multiplication that are unexplainable, but only happen when we step forward.
in faith. God, for some of us, we're still answering the question, who is Jesus? And I ask that you help us continue to lean into that. Because following you requires us to be certain about that, beyond the shadow of a doubt. God, for others, we're ready to step in and begin following you. And if you're on our campuses today and, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, would you just say, Jesus, today I get it. I believe in you. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, that you are the savior of the world, that you came, that you lived, you died, you rose again, that you paid the price for my sin because you loved me. And today I receive that love and I receive your forgiveness and I step into your grace and I want to step in to following you and experience what it means when I do the little bit that I can do, but get to be part of you doing what only you can do. And that is multiply and multiply and multiply again. I wanna be part of that miracle. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your amazing love, your grace and your kindness, but most of all, using us who don't get it right, using us who are imperfect to be change agents in this world, at least participate with you as change agents in the world. God, we're excited about how you're gonna grow our faith and then how that's gonna impact our church. Thank you for the plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey everyone, thanks so much for being part of our series, but before you leave, don't forget this evening, we have Evening of Vision at 5 p.m. on our Mariana campus. Looking forward to seeing all of you there. Got some amazing things to share with you of what God is doing in and through RCC. Hey, we'll see you this evening. Don't forget the after party. We'll see you this evening at 5.